0: Hi, I'm Dr Anushka Marothra, an NHS GP and mum of two. I'm passionate about lifestyle medicine and supporting people to achieve health and happiness. After having my own children, I went through many changes myself. This made me acutely aware of the needs of new parents. In my experience as a doctor, I've noticed that new parents find it difficult to get the support they need and access trusted information. I started the postnatal health podcast to discuss how to be healthy when you have kids and to share this information with as many families as possible. In this first episode, I'll be talking to my friend Rosie about why I've started the podcast and all about the six to eight week check. So the next thing you'll hear is a conversation between me and Rosie about being a GP and about being a mum. So as a GP, and especially I think as a female GP, um, you do see a lot of... Uh, women with women's health issues ranging from kind of prenatal kind of gynaecological problems but a lot of um, fertility pregnancy um, issues and of course a lot of young families and I think especially in the kind of urban community where I live Um, and, and that was great seeing families and seeing patients and giving them advice as from a professional point of view but then having my own family, having my daughter, um, and also living in the same community as where I was working, it just was a game changer for me. Um, I felt not only a much more personal connection to my patients um, day to day, um, but the uh, advice that I could give was so much more, it was again more personal based on some of my experiences, but kind of founded in the science and the medicine Behind that. But I did feel that there was a gap um, in provision or what was available for, for families. Partly because I think of the type of society that we live in, where we don't get as much support from our communities or our families as we might have done, I don't know, 50 years ago. And partly maybe because of the, the services, you know, social care, children's centres, health services, and what they're able to provide. And just have seen quite a lot of families with not maybe obvious difficulties, but a- anxieties or um, and difficulties making them quite isolated, um, especially new mums, but you know, new dads too, absolutely. And I personally went through quite a lot of changes as well, um, physically, as you do. But very much socially and mentally, the adjustment to having a baby and what that meant for my day-to-day life. Um, And I was seeing that with patients all the time as well. So I just thought there's, I think there's quite a lot um, of support that people could get and how to do that in a way that could benefit most people inexpensively. So Something that we'd talked about a bit before, Rosie, was about my slight uh, frustration um, at seeing lots of parents understandably uh, turn to help that they may not have in another situation so the example that we were talking about was uh, sleep consultants so you know parents being absolutely exhausted with their newborn uh, not not knowing what to do getting more and more sleep deprived and turning to paying huge amounts of money to sleep consultants to help them through it and you know often and most of the time it does work but just I would hope that that there was there would be a way of trying to help people before it gets to that point and trying to build a, a bit of knowledge and ideally a community around getting the right information to empower yourself uh, as a new parent really
1: yeah, definitely
0: for me, I think when you we were talking about
1: the kind of gap um in terms of the mother in particular and the impact of birth and then being a new mother uh, on your body uh, as well as your sort of social and mental and emotional health was actually just it it, it was just such a—I just wasn't really expecting it I don't know why because everyone tells you that it changes everything. But there are just some things about your body that you think don't change or won't change. And so when they do, uh, for me in particular, I don't know about other people, but it, it was easy for me to just ignore it and not kind of, whether it's like my complete inconsistency in doing my pelvic floor exercises or like not wanting to be just just not wanting to create the time to do exercise because I felt like I should be dedicating every hour to looking after my daughter because I felt like that was what I was now sort of supposed to be doing which in many ways I was and am but but I think there's that you could kind of shift the emphasis so that it's it, by looking after yourself you are going to be ultimately looking after your child because I had various things like back problems that I could have avoided I think without question if I'd either listened to advice or had better advice or more time to kind of talk about things um, like positions for breastfeeding or just other basic things about how to lift a baby in a in a way that doesn't hurt you so I just thought, yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that it'd be really interesting to hear more, you know, from people who have the information like you and also from people who've had different experiences, like different mothers who've had different experiences and dads as well. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you, Rosie. I think um, picking up on a few points that you mentioned, I think that even though people tell you that everything's gonna be different when you have a baby. If you've been a fit, healthy, young person and never experienced real changes to your body, it's almost impossible to imagine what that's gonna be like before it happens. And so adjusting to it, just even just the physical changes, is quite hard. And of course, you know, with time, uh, a lot of those physical changes can I wouldn't say go back to normal but be a new normal but we're not, rese- we're not really prepared for it in our society if you've been a young fit healthy person and the second point that I wanted to pick up on that you said was new parents do put all of their energy into their new baby of course they do I mean they've had a tiny new precious baby and and they want to do everything they can to look after it but absolutely as you said if you don't look after yourself you can't do a good job as being a parent or you can't do as good a job. And allowing yourself to look after yourself is, is just so important. I think that's one of the messages that I really wanted to get out there in, is how to do that in a way that's acceptable to, to each individual, but as a society as well.
1: Yeah. What I was also really intrigued by is... Um... What it's like for you as a mother and as a GP, are you able to kind of like split yourself in two and be a doctor and be like, no, this is okay? Or do you kind of find yourself worrying about things that professionally you you know, like you wouldn't be worried about as a GP?
0: I think it's a bit of a mixture really. Um, some things, i'm very very casual about and not worried about at all like i don't know the greys if my daughter's fallen over and she's got a graze, or she's saying she's got a tummy ache i'm just like no I, it's fine <laughs> but yeah. when she was younger when she was a baby i was definitely i wasn't anxious day-to-day about her health in the same way that actually my husband was probably quite a lot more anxious about her health day-to-day and it did need some reassurance from me um about things like um, like eczema for example but Mm. on the other hand if she has had been sick and had a fever i have been really worried about it and my mind has gone to this what the worst case scenario could be even though my logical medical brain is telling me that's not what it is um and i've also actually found a lot of reassurance from speaking to gp so speaking to our registered gp um, and I found that really helpful. It, and often I'll go and and say, I mean, they know now that I'm a GP, but then it's also helpful for my husband too, so that it's not just me saying something, it's someone else also kind of yeah. corroborating with that. So I, I think that as a GP, you know that that's a big part of your role is to reassure people. And I think as a, as a GP mum, just there has to be a point of stepping back and just being mum, because otherwise it just your head gets in the way <laughs> a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I was wondering was, like, what kind of... I mean, we touched on it a bit with the sleep and things like that, but what, what are the kind of problems that mothers come to you with in terms of their own health as opposed to the to the problems they've got with the baby?
0: Yeah. So, um, often the problems that mothers come in about are very delayed. So they might have been happening from quite early on, but they they won't come because of that. They'll come because the baby's got a little cough or, you know, something that as a doctor seems quite minor, but actually you see them six months, a year, two years down the line, you realise, oh, this there's been something going on with this with this person for quite a long time, but she just wasn't really able to start talking about it yet. Mm-hmm quite a lot of mental health you know the, the, that's that's kind of what i was saying about social isolation and and change in your identity from being a, a woman to being a mother i think it's really hard on a lot of people um yeah but but a lot, quite a lot of physical things as well i mean um uh, some of the problems like that you've talked about a lot of joint problems shoulder um upper back problems um And um, a kind of repetitive strain injury, tendonsynovitis in the in the thumbs, which um, mums can get as well. But also pelvic floor issues, you know, urinary incontinence. But I mean, again, people can present with that years and years down the line. um, Yeah. And have just not really understandably not really paid paid attention. But yeah, those are the, the most common things.
1: Yeah, just when you when you said a lot of the problems are delayed, I think that's kind of basically sums it up. In well, not sums it up, but it's just I can just str- so strongly relate to that kind of not because you don't. It doesn't. You can just carry on with so many things, and it doesn't feel important to kind of go and check check things out. And it's only when it's kind of at crisis point that, like, with my back, it was only because I literally couldn't move that I went to the the physio, (laughs) which is not, you know, it's Mm. not um, the right thing, the right way to manage things. Um, But I think there's... Obviously, it's just... That um, what it's what it's like when you kind of can't seem to carve out the time, or you do, or or maybe you, you don't want to in some way. I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's such a whirlwind having a baby, and you're just often just trying to survive, aren't you? Day to day, getting through uh, each day, and and enjoying the the good times when when you're feeling better rather yeah. than having to think about okay I'm feeling uh, th- feeling okay today maybe I should go to the doctor and on the bad days probably not be probably too exhausted <laughs> to to feel like you want to go to the doctor as well um so I think it's re- I, I I think it's really common I think it's oh, quite understandable um that it happens but absolutely yeah. of course prevention it would be better than, get, than getting to that crisis point, if possible. I wanted to talk a little bit more now about the six to eight week check that you have postnatally with your GP. Rosie and I are going to speak a little bit more about our experiences of the six to eight week check and help you get as much as you can out of this time with your GP. Um, so Rosie, would you mind just telling me a little bit about your experiences of the six week check?
1: Yes, I so I have a nice GP practice but I don't see the same GP every time, so I don't have a doctor that I kind of have a particular relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um so I went along and I think she's actually called Annie, so I think I actually do know this particular GP's name and went in and it's still was still in that time which was quite long for me where I, Ida was quite my daughter um is quite was quite unpredictable so I had quite a lot of anxiety about you know was she gonna be asleep was she gonna be awake was she gonna be grumpy was she gonna have to feed part way through was she gonna be screaming um i i think uh i was still very much in the phase of like feeling like everyone was going to be judging me in the waiting room if ida was upset um and that i wanted to kind of pass a test with everyone in the waiting room i don't know why i cared so much about them and also the gp like that she would think i was a good mother and that my baby was perfect. Mm. So that was the kind of background emotionally for me, I think. And I didn't have, luckily, I didn't have any particular worries. The only thing that had come up post birth was that Ida's feet were slightly turned in. Um, So I was told to kind of like flex them back when I was Mm -hmm. changing her nappy and I just wanted to check that that was all kind of okay and also as far as I was concerned I had a faucet, forceps delivery and an episiotomy so I had just to check the stitches had all gone and that everything was looking all right yeah. and things like that um i also this might be tmi but in the spirit of um sharing i had uh like piles after birth so and i had like a skin tag that had developed as a result of that so it was getting some advice about that because i hadn't had any uh medication but then the gp was like just take the suppositories Um, so we sort of, that was basically what we covered. Um, and it was nice in that somebody came, a nice friendly assistant woman came and held Ida while I was being checked. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Ida was in a like fairly good mood, so she didn't kind of kick off. That's good. Um, so, so all in all, it was like a positive experience, but it was very quick. It felt very quick, um, cause it's two appointments, but I think they're, I don't even know how long they are, but 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And she got, Ida got a bit kind of fractious towards the end. So it was a bit like, I kind of felt like I wanted to go, so I didn't really cover anything except like have a quick lie down check and then basically head off um so there were a few things at the back of my mind that I probably would have brought up if I'd if I'd known there was more time or or if Ida had been uh elsewhere or someone was there kind of who was meant to I don't know how it would have really worked though because she was in that stage where it's very hard to kind of let them go with
0: someone else i um, mean
1: yeah with someone else yeah um but things like i probably would have i probably would have liked to talk a bit more about stomach muscles mm-hmm. um and I, but i and also at that stage i don't think i was really thinking about my pelvic floor particularly yeah. um, mm. Or lifting, or anything like that. So, yeah, that that's basically how it went down.
0: Oh well, thanks, Bertie, for, for sharing that. I think that's really useful to hear what your experiences are. And actually, I think I think your experiences are really common. Um, in my in my experience as a GP, that seems to be what happens in a postnatal six week check. Um, and your feelings that you described about. Um, how you felt about the waiting room, how you felt about your daughter, um, the kind of milestone as well of kind of coming out, uh, of thinking about what other people thought about you. I think, I think a lot of new mums go through that around that time and around that six to eight week check. Um, so yeah, it was definitely really useful to hear from your point of view uh, how it went. Um, and I wanted to pick up on a few things actually uh, from what you said. I think absolutely you're right. You said you said, um, you weren't really sure how much time you had and you had two appointments together. Did you mean you had Ida's appointment and then your appointment kind of back to back?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That doesn't always happen, but that's quite common that there'll be the baby's and the mum's appointments next to each other. And, and often, just naturally, if that's the case, then the baby takes more time and mum's appointment takes less time. And exactly as you say, you know, you're, you're worrying about, um, is she going to start crying? How long can she kind of, how long can your baby last without you needing to sit there and feeding them or some kind of distraction? So it sounds like you did, both of you, all of you, three of you did pretty well considering and you had some help, that, which was very nice, doesn't always happen. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think there's lots of potential things to go through in that check and, and lots of lots of pressures and lots of distractions at that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it's not just the time of the appointment, it's, like, travelling there and then, and often, um, uh, you know, the GP's going to be running late, so yeah. it's that time, it's hard for you to kind of get the sweet yeah. spot. Yeah, definitely. How so, And what's it like for, what the kind of, goals and targets from your point of view as a GP like how is it trained how did you yeah
0: well uh, first of all it's a bit variable depending on which practice you're in how much time you get for a a six-week check um some places the mum will have 10 minutes the baby will have 10 minutes uh, and it'll be back to back some places um Each one has a bit longer, maybe 15, maybe 20. Sometimes they might be on separate days, separate appointments. In some places you have all of it all together, including the immunizations. And also it can be any time from six to eight weeks, which you know, even those two weeks difference can make a difference to um, how you're feeling about your baby, how you're feeling in your body, all those things. Um, So that's just kind of a bit about the structure of what to expect, I suppose. and it's. I think it's always worth asking. You know, if you when you're booking the appointment, how much time are you meant to have? Because it could just help to maybe alleviate some of those concerns about um, taking up too much time or or um, uh, what what's going to happen really. Yeah. Um. But but the kind of things that like, as a GP we'd expect to cover. I mean, there's. I'm not going to go into detail about the. Uh, checks for the baby today but for the mum the kind of things that we'd definitely want to cover are mental health Um and I'm sure uh I'm sure you've experienced this too but along the road during pregnancy and then probably even more so after baby's born professionals ask mums all the time about mental health so um but that's just something that yeah we definitely would want to talk about um in that in that in that personatal check um and the other thing that a GP wouldn't really want you to leave without talking about would be contraception yes um and even yes that's I remember not... that <laughs> yeah, because there's it a lot mean, of like people being like, up, "You but...
1: can get pregnant. You can get pregnant." <laughs> and I'm like, "Listen, yeah. mate, I'm not having sex. Don't worry about it." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the thing is that I think that because it's the point when your GP has the opportunity to say that to you, and that you just don't know when they're going to see you again. Um, so I think that's why that's that information. often yes we want to give you that information but I completely agree I mean most women I speak to are just just like no I don't want to think about that right now um and it's just really variable so I think if if you're not ready to talk about it that's fine to say uh, you know I'm not ready to talk about it but you know then that your GP's there if you need to and or at least you know you can ask them where to access the information when when you're ready um, uh, but, you know, some women will want to know that. And I think it's good to be able to to um, signpost and share the information as needed. Exactly. There are other things that um, I think are good to cover as a GP that I personally would cover, but they're not necessarily things that are always going to get covered because of all the reasons that we said before. Time, thinking about the baby, kind of other distractions in the appointment. Um, and you mentioned before in in, in your experience about you you, you weren't really thinking about pelvic floor Um, and I don't think many women are thinking about pelvic floor to be honest with you at that stage Um, unless maybe they've had other children uh, or they've had any other issues about it in the past Um, but something that I would expect most GPs would ask which is kind of related is just if you're pooing and weeing okay
1: yes um, yeah
0: because we'd expect even after if you've had a surgery we'd expect some you know return to normal of those things um at, by that six to eight week check and it's kind of a good point to um highlight it. if a woman's having a lot of difficulties at that stage then they definitely would need a bit more support
1: yes um, yeah
0: and what you said about having the the piles the hemorrhoids and again, thanks for sharing because it's so common um, and a lot of women are, are really embarrassed even to talk about it with their GP um, and it really doesn't need to be something to be embarrassed about because it's just so common it's a natural a natural thing to happen after all the pressure of holding a, carrying a baby in your in your tummy in your pelvis and then giving birth to a baby whichever way you've given birth to them um, yeah so again that's something that you know the gP are most appointments, I would expect to talk about those kinds of issues as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what What would your like advice to be to a new mum that, that is about to go to the appointment?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's worth thinking about the appointment before going. And most mums do think about the appointment, but they think about the appointment in terms of their baby Um, and I think it's worth having a think about your own health as well Um, and just maybe noting it down on your phone on a bit of paper um, any questions that you have about your own health and that could be really anything you know we've talked about a few things today Um, and it can include questions that might seem silly but no question is silly um, things about breastfeeding, things about even you know social support, anything really, I think it's an opportunity to to ask um, so I think yeah, making a list of of questions can be helpful because often then you might you'll forget them as well otherwise if you if you 've thought about it and you 're sleep deprived and baby's crying and you just want to get out um but at the same time, I think not to put too much pressure on yourself because you know naturally you want to get go through the things that you need to talk about about the baby and if you don't get through the things that you wanted to talk about with a GP about you you can come back yeah and I think that a lot of people worry about you know not wanting to use too many appointments and things which is understandable but um I think that you know you said you knew you'd met that GP before which is great you knew her name um but it is an opportunity to Meet a GP. Hopefully, if you've had a good experience, then you can go back and um, you've got a little bit of relationship with them, so you can continue to to build on that. Um, and so those list of questions, if you don't get through them, if they're still bothering you in a couple of weeks, you can always make another appointment and and try and work through it then. Yeah, yeah. There are some things um, that uh, so I've kind of talked about the essential things. That there are some things that um, women often ask. Uh, so, like common questions that women asked. it isn't really on the doctor's agenda, but it gets asked quite a lot. And like the returning to exercise and what you said about that, the 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 um, ab muscles. Yes, stomach muscles. Talk about that. Yeah. Oh, can I just say something before? Absolutely. Uh, we talk about that. Something else. So, so another thing on the um, another item on the doctor's agenda, which I didn't mention, was actual medical. Um, chat. So if you do have any medical conditions, um, either kind of chronic conditions or anything that's come up during pregnancy, or if you're on medications at the time of the check or you were on medications before you were pregnant, then that will be an opportunity for the GP to talk about that with you um, and what what the implications of not being pregnant now mean on that condition or that medication, including whether you're breastfeeding or not. Yes. Um, So just, if you have got anything like that, just expect some of the time to be talking about that as well. Um, And kind of along those lines, if someone has either something that's come up during the pregnancy or some chronic medical problem that needs a blood test, um, often the GP will give you the forms and things to do that during the the appointment or tell you when you need to come back to do that.
1: Yes. I think I had gestational diabetes and I think that it's all a bit of a blur, but I think I was given the blood test form to check that my blood sugar had gone back to normal then, because I remember then going to do that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's slightly odd, all these things that I've uh, forgotten, but um, it's really interesting to hear like from the professional perspective and it must be quite well I guess this is just a characteristic of your job that there are just so many people with so many different needs and seeing so many people every day each of whom has a whole life and set of problems and that they're bringing into your room.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, part of the joy of being a, a GP is, is the variety uh, of uh, people's lives, the complexity of people's lives. But it's also, that's why I kind of press upon the point about you don't have to cover everything if it's not super urgent in that one appointment because it can, can be very difficult to do that.
1: Yes, I think it's, I think that's a really important message. So don't feel there's anything that you have to bring up. You can always come back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and actually I found, I don't know if this is a random thing or, or actually true, but I found it's easier to access the GP. I mean, partly because you can you're not working, um or at least for for a bit you're not working. Um yeah. that's also that the GPs are very much more responsive. This is about the baby, but you can always kind of address some of your issues. Um if you've got an appointment that's mostly about the baby, um, you can bring up something that you're thinking about yourself as well. Yeah um actually I've got to say that I I I did find I found it I made an appointment for myself as well relatively early and after the six-week check and and it was it was good I felt really listened to so that's good but it was a different GP It is is impossible to get the same GP at my practice. But even if
0: you're not seeing, never mind.
1: They're all they're all nice,
0: (laughs) and and unfortunately that is quite common as well. And so even if you're not seeing the same GP, I still think, and maybe I'm wrong, and this might be my just professional feeling within the health service. But as you said, you're on if you're on maternity leave and you've you're potentially going to the practice a little bit more than you would have before you were pregnant. Kind of just getting to know the practice, feeling a bit more comfortable with going there and, and the reception and the whole process of it. Um, even if you are seeing a different GP, I think just all of that can can help um, a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I used to be fairly scared of the nurse, yeah. but all of my daughter's jabs have been with her and she's been so nice, it's so... I now really like the nurse, <laughs> and we're like on, you know, we know, know each other and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's good. That's <laughs> um, so Anishko, I was also wondering if you have a serious problem that you feel can't be addressed within the time frame of the six week check, how would you go about or how do you recommend that a new mum kind of goes about getting extra help?
0: Um, yeah, thanks, Rosie, for asking that question. Um, because I think that that's definitely the thing. There's quite a few things that can be addressed within the appointment or you can come back and see your GP about later. But there are things that, um, the GP would need to refer or signpost you on for. Um, so a few things, and we've touched on it a few times, but a uh, pelvic floor, for example. So, um, women who've had, um, either caesarean section or um, instrumental delivery, like you mentioned, forceps, or you've needed an episiotomy, you've had a quite a bad tear, um, just might need to have a little bit of extra support with the pelvic floor. And so the, the six-week check is a good point to try and t- touch on that and discuss that. Um, and either at that point or over the next couple of months, if there are any problems either with continence, so leakages of urine or, or a poo, Um, uh, then that's a a referral that the GP could do um, to NHS physiotherapy services. But also to mention that there are private um, postnatal physiotherapists as well who do a kind of uh, mummy, MOT, a checkup for mums. So again, that's something you could always discuss with the GP if if you wanted to at that six-week check. Um, But it's something to keep in mind. Um, and some of the other things are breastfeeding. So I, I think a lot in a lot of the country there are is support early on after you've had a baby with breastfeeding um, through breastfeeding cafes and breastfeeding clinics, which often the health visitor um, will help signpost you to. But if you do have any concerns about breastfeeding or questions, then is it's always worth asking the gp and if they need you they'll they can do a check up um of your breast if you've got any problems uh, in the appointment which is useful but if there's anything else very much more specific to breastfeeding um they're probably going to signpost you on to either a breastfeeding consultant or one of those breastfeeding cafes or clinics um because the gp's met, not all experts in breastfeeding themselves so that's some, something just to be aware of
1: yep I'd always do, give a shout out to La Leche League as yeah. well because they have, um, so you, I think that you just search La Leche League and the website will come up, but they, they have local volunteer um, consultants yeah. um, because there can be some quite expensive consultants. Um, so it's useful to know that that there are people who, who could see you in person, um, well, in non-corona times could certainly see you in person and um and help
0: yeah i think it's a really good point rosie as well as um you know there are lots of professionals out there who you can pay for and can be very expensive and again this kind of six week postnatal check is is a really useful opportunity to discuss with a gp where you can get those services for free on the NHS or, like you say, um, in the voluntary sector. And La Leche League is great and I I send a lot of my patients to them. Yeah, so thanks for mentioning that, definitely.
1: You're welcome. (laughs) So pelvic floor breastfeeding. Um, The only other thing... Yeah.
0: Yeah, pelvic floor breastfeeding. um, uh, Mental health as well. So, again, you know, a GP, if you are struggling... um, GPs are are really used to helping support people who are going through any kind of mental health difficulties. And and if you are struggling, a GP probably will want to see you a little bit more regularly, Um, but then they can refer you on to um, uh, postnatal mental health services. And it sounds scarier than it is, but it can range from seeing a counsellor and getting prioritised on the NHS to see someone more quickly. to kind of more more input from a specialist um, mental health team who often have midwives and things helping. Um, so I, I know, again, it's a, it can be a difficult thing to talk about, but unfortunately it is, it is really common. It's a really difficult time for a lot of women, and I think especially at the moment um, with corona. But um, the GP will support you and discuss that with you in whichever way is the most suitable for you, really.
1: Yes. Good. Yeah, I suppose...
0: Oh, and on that topic... No, carry on. Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say that, again, a bit like how a lot of the health professionals will ask about mental health throughout the pregnancy and postnatally, again, at this six-week check, don't be surprised if they ask you about any potential domestic violence. Um, and sometimes if you've brought your partner with you the GP might ask the partner to leave for your appointment um, just so that because they might want to just get a bit more um, have a bit more of a personal chat with you and they don't be alarmed if they do that because they might also at that point ask you directly if there's anything any problems at home or if you've got any concerns. Thanks for listening to the postnatal health podcast Next week, I'll be talking to Neve Byrne, a physiotherapist who specialises in postnatal health. And we'll talk about common issues for women in this period, and especially my favourite pelvic floor.